it takes a lot of precision for people to understand how they can get the best recovery. Because you and I want the most effort, we want the most load, we want the most frequency. So to tease those apart and weave them back together in a way that we can get all of those things and still recover, that just takes a lot of, of thinking, proper programming, and then understanding when you need those days off. Hey everybody, welcome back to Contest Prep University still in our frat house series. I'm Joe Kumzeski with Adam Atkinson, and we're going to long form cover a topic that we hit on every once in a while, especially when we talk about training, and that is recovery or fatigue. Why, how, when, how do you know when you need something like this? And I want to, I want to bring you in immediately here, Adam, because there, there are kind of a lot of buzzwords that float around from time to time. There are probably some misconceptions, but there are some real dangers here, not just to your training and your gains, but, but your physical health. So uh, I know this is something you take seriously. You, you delve into um, you know, asking clients once in a while if, if they're open to doing blood panels and looking at things under the hood, so to speak. So, so how do you envision or even just communicate recovery to your clients in a very tangible way. Yeah, so it's it's hard because everyone views recovery and pain differently. And man, you're going to have athletes who push through anything and everything, even when they shouldn't. And then you have clients who are maybe a little weak, who probably need to be pushed a little more, who maybe don't need you know, that extra rest all the time. So it really does come down to, you know, for me, when we talk about recovery, often it's usually in the weekly check-in or just when they get their initial training block from me. So uh, I upfront give them the option, let's say I have them training five days a week. I will say, if you're super sore, there's nothing wrong going down to four days a week. And uh, I think where that gets complicated, they have, you know, these columns where they can fill out their weights and log everything. And they feel like that has to be completed by the time they get their next workout block. But I always tell them the goal isn't to fill all of this out. If you need a rest day, we're going to miss a workout or two off of this block. And that's totally okay. Um, that's the right type of communication to have. Um, but on the other hand, you'll have clients who miss workouts all the time. And then you know that they're hyper recovered and maybe they're just a little weak mentally, or we need to change the volumes of those workouts. So they're more, so they're not missing as much. So recovery is a difficult topic. It's something that I probably talk about more on my daily zoom calls with my clients because People will pop in quickly and say, hey, I'm really sore. They'll, they'll literally want permission if they can have that rest day or not, even if they already know they can have it. Well, and I know this becomes difficult for people because, as you said, we in the athletic training, physique sport world, performance sport worlds, you, you know, that's the name of the game. It's, it's all about the movement and the performance and the way you get better is to train. So 
uh, I have so many clients. I've talked to a couple overseas clients and they don't even know each other, two different countries. And they both said the same thing in the same week, which is, I just need this psychologically, Joe, you've got to let me train every day. You got to let me train more than just three or four days a week. And I understand that, of course. And I want to contrast that with the fact that we can throttle back on the variables like intensity and, and load and so forth and still keep people moving. The human body is certainly capable of movement, but the whole notion that, okay, this body part for me is a lagging body part genetically. So I need more work there that can almost do the opposite. And, and, and most of the time it does. When you start to overtrain a certain body part, you start seeing regression, not progression. You start seeing uh, impediments orthopedically. You start getting sore joints, tendons. You can get strains and, and injuries. So there is quite a continuum of we want to work. We love to work. We know what's the thing. It's the stimuli. But then the recovery is also, as the cliches go, where the muscle grows. So do, do you have a tangible way? And I know you, this is not something you can typically just kind of go to a lab and measure, but, but what is your mindset as a checklist of, okay, this is where we need to do more, or it's okay to do more, or we really do have to pull back? Yeah. So it really comes down to, are they progressing? Are they growing? Um, if they're not, my first answer isn't necessarily to give them more. And uh, I think that's where I used to make that mistake way early in my career. So like, if anyone's watching this, and they trained with me three years ago, like, honestly, it's been that fast. I, I mean, I used to push people. And I have even looked back at some of my old programming and I'm like, my God, I can't believe I did this to people back in the day. It was straight up wrong. But it, at that time, I thought that that was okay for my athletes. And, uh, you know, I think it's okay as coaches to say, hey, we make mistakes and we're willing to change something. When you just stick to something that's not working, that's where the problem really resides. And, uh, you do find that, you know, some people are just going to be really enhanced with recovery and some people aren't, um, especially once you get into age differences, my perimenopausal or menopausal clients, they're, they're just going to have less recovery. You know, those hot flashes interrupt their sleep. So, you know, the option to train five days a week, it's probably not going to be there for them with those natural sleep disruptions. So I'll usually pull them back to three or four days a week. And some people will really struggle and say that that's not enough. But, you know, when you make that change that a lot of people aren't willing to make, that's when you start seeing the progress really happen. I think you nailed two really important things there, which is one, the actual measurable progress in strength and so forth. So I too, when I'm discussing this with a client and we're deciding what to do, I look at strength maintenance or strength progressions, you know, especially if they're not in a calorie deficit. And I'll talk about things like recovery and how you feel, which, which treads into the subjective, of course. But I think most people need to give that some credence. Like we know when we feel just completely beat up. And if every time you go into the gym, you just feel sore, you don't feel motivated, you feel like it's very tough to warm up. 
there's a there's a sense i think there's a there's a throttle point where you know okay i know i'm in contest prep i'm pretty fatigued i'm in a calorie deficit but once i get warmed up and moving i feel great and have a great workout if the opposite is true if you can't warm your way up through that and you still feel like shit, you're probably going the other direction and a lot of people i think still especially in our world use garbage can terms like adrenal fatigue syndrome and things like that which is not a medical condition it's debunked it's it's talked about a lot in almost an antithetical way in the medical community in the, the irony is it's completely the opposite of the real issue which could be adrenal insufficiency so so talking about that real quick most people it just buzzwords would say oh i have chronic fatigue syndrome my cortisol levels are too high and what's happening is if your cortisol levels are too high of course you're doing a lot of work probably and so those cortisol levels are there but adrenal insufficiency is when your body doesn't produce enough cortisol so you can't even stimulate an adaptive response and so that's that's almost how ridiculous some of these little myths can become it's not that you have adrenal fatigue or adrenal insufficiency you're just tired you know you're just overdoing it we know sleep is a factor you and i have talked about this in different training uh podcasts where we say look if you're if you're under sleeping take that time to sleep not not train that's not going to be to your advantage so i'm just curious if you if you have a client that you just know is not getting the sleep they need how, how do you how do you alter training or do you i mean do you just keep harping on them to get the sleep or, or can you do something on the training side to try and push them through that so that's where it gets interesting because if they're you know really hating the training you know you would assume that would make them tired and make them sleep so at that point i'm probably going to go with some kind of blood panel to look for insufficiency uh they may have you know just a a circadian rhythm issue where their cortisol spiking at night, you know, and then they're just flat flying the rest of the day. Um, or you just may see cortisol's not really signaling at all, just like you said. So we know that there's more of a major issue and there's going to be a much longer recovery time with that versus just doing a deload or taking three days off in a row we might need to manage the next mesocycle. Uh, I might even tell my client to drop training with me at that point. Hey, we need your workouts to be a little more low key. And I don't think you need my specific programming for recovery as long as you're willing to, let's say we cap it at this many sets per reps and you can kind of enjoy your training for a while. So in something that's that big of a scenario, you know, we're going to be trying to, you know, get cortisol to signal better again, but also, um, you know, heal those hormonal adaptations that are happening from the lower cortisol. But, um, you know, in, in a more standard scenario where some of that stuff isn't going on, I'll go back to deload weeks where... I would rather just give somebody a couple days off from training, maybe a three-day weekend, um, no training, no cardio, 
if they really want to, I'll let them do some walks and maybe put some limits on what that looks like. And I don't mind if they're going out and having fun, being somewhat active hiking, but uh, I really want to keep the stress low. And if they're pretty active still, we may do a fourth day. But I really never liked the idea of, you know, kind of training half-assed, <laughs> you know. Um, I think that when you find an intensity range, it's really easy to take a week and give that up. You know, when you take a whole week off from the gym and worst case scenario, when you come back, everything feels hard again. You're going to find that intensity level like right right away again. And uh, I think it's really good to, you know, go at the problem versus create more of the problem and say, hey, we're going to train, but train lighter. Because I think people have a real hard time actually training lighter when they go into train. I, th I think some people do. And that that can be an issue. I, I like that you even started this conversation with the fact that there are some people who actually need to be pushed harder. And, and I do want to make sure that we provide something very tangible for our audience instead of just saying, don't overtrain, like, duh. And it makes me go back to the point, because I've always been interested in just maximum human performance, uh, I have personally hired powerlifting coaches to train me. I even hired a running coach to do some programming for me just to see what that was like in a performative sense. And I, I want to I put that up here as just an example to parallel bodybuilding. The, the people who think, you know, and this is what I would caution is, is that you can just train a muscle group all the time. You just, you know, there's no end. You can train glute six days a week and train. If you're, if your delts are your weak spot, train them every day, twice a day. I mean, I've heard those things over the years and a lot of exercise science lab information and, and protocol that you're hearing is certainly to keep volume and frequency very, very high but just throttle back and forth between levels of load and intensity with, with perceived exertion. And even though I tend to not like that all the time, I'm going to give you this running example where somebody who's, who's a runner and, and they're trying to progress in some type of, of event, you will run five days a week. You just will five or six days a week. But there are longer overruns where you're going at a very, very slow pace. Then there are speed runs where you're under your typical event, but going for some speed work and then in between. And, and you cycle those with, with a lot of intentionality so that, you know, after you do an all out, you know, check your event, you know, kind of mock up, you're probably going to be sore. And so maybe that next day is an overrun where it's lighter. And that's the kind of mentality that I think we're hearing more out of our exercise science community today. But does that translate over to people in the gym? Are they willing to do that? Are they willing to go in the gym and just do five out of 10, you know, perceived exertion? Are they willing to leave that many reps in reserve and just not push it a little bit? It is the people who love training so much that they can't go in and just do a quote half-assed workout. They've got to go all out. Those are the ones I worry about because you know that the, the homeostatic dis disruption curve, that the deeper you go into that need for recovery, that, that pure muscle exhaustion and, and muscle, quote, damage or disruption, the longer it takes to come back up to baseline and, and then even higher for that adaptive return. 
So real quickly, just to contrast that with things that has always been the antithesis on the other end of the continuum, things like the heavy duty training, the Mike Menser, Dorian Yates type stuff. Um, you know, people would talk about that level of intensity as it being driven by the anabolics they were on. And of course they can take that time off. They've got the steroids to make them big, but on the contrary, the steroids help you recover faster. So they could ostensibly train even more frequently, but they found that they just got better recovery and greater strength. So again, I'm not saying that either one of these is wrong, that you've got two ends of the continuum and you just have to know how to play your hand. And I think this is where every single lifter, even if they have a game plan and, and you've created the, the perfect protocols for them and training blocks, Adam, they have to know when it's time to just take the day off or when it's time to call an audible and pull back a little bit, or when it's time to just let the whole thing ride. What well, one last thing on, on, on this running paradigm when you have those overruns and the speed runs and so forth, there are days you're going to be fatigued and just not feel it. But every week, every type of run should progress in some way, whether it's quality of motion, tangible increases in time, that sort of thing. And I think that's where some of our community can take some notes is that every workout may not feel amazing and you do have to kind of warm your way up through it and, and, and just slog it out because you are in prep and you're in a calorie deficit, but still that gold standard has to be progress in feeling better, feeling stronger. You're at least getting those good days in. So just, just curious as to your general thoughts on, on the whole continuum. Yeah. I do think that psychology plays a huge role. Um, so that was one thing that we kind of haven't touched on. Um, I had my client, Aaron, who just won the Arnold Classic and Classic Physique for um, the amateur. And uh, he messaged me today. He said, I feel like I've been hit by a truck. I know with him, <laughs> that's his way of asking for an off day, which he never asked for. It's probably the first time he's ever asked for one. And I just knew immediately this guy needs a day or two, probably rest if he's coming to me and saying that. Um, but then on the other hand, I'll have somebody who's maybe missed a lot of workouts ask. And I'm like, I feel like their body is already recovered. You know, your last week, you only trained, you know, three out of the five days I wanted you to train. So, you know, if you're feeling, you know, maybe she said her knees were sore. I said, maybe we need to look at form execution versus missing a workout day or just maybe exercise selection. What's causing your knees to be sore? Um, is it genetics? Could be genetics. She may just not have the best joints in the world, but are we executing things properly? Um, or improperly, and that's what's making your knees sore. Because in my professional opinion, I don't think it's the volume that I gave her, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I want to give another little example of just how sometimes a program change can be very effective. And I think we all kind of get into our baseline ruts, like we know what we like, we know what's worked well in the past. But sometimes you just do kind of a wholesale change in what you're doing. So, for example, if you're doing a certain split and all of a sudden you decide, OK, I, I usually train kind of a push, pull, push, pull, maybe whole body system. 
but now I'm going to break it up into opposing body parts. I'm going to do like chest and back together, push and pull on the same day, or, you know, whatever, whatever you want that to be. Maybe one day is all I've started programming some, what I call utility days for clients where I say, look on this extra day, you know, I know you want to get to the gym. Like you said, Adam, psychologically for that fifth or sixth time, maybe the fourth time. So let's go in there with kind of an open slate and whatever you feel like you want to work on, this is your free day. Just make sure you're not tired. You're not overlapping things too much, but sometimes keeping in mind that for the ultimate goal for a certain movement or muscle, because we either train movements or we train muscle, um, you're, you're looking at using kind of a, a misdirection at it. For example, I, I want to get my deadlift strength back up to, you know, as close to my best ever as I can. But I know in my posterior kinetic chain, it's not going to get there just by deadlifting more and more and more and more. I've got a couple weak spots in that kinetic chain because of some detraining. So I know I have to do, for example, heavier hamstring work and stiff-legged deadlifts with that that very low back strength that stiff-legged deadlift could give me that's going to help my overall deadlift um and that kind of goes back to some louis simmons type stuff right where you're working some of these auxiliary muscles and movements and so forth but one one quick example i had to carry in two thousand pounds of flooring out of my driveway you know we're doing a, a home reno project and i just knew you know, first of all, I had a decision. I can do my normal training and then go home and do this. Or I wonder what it's going to feel like to take 2000 pounds of flooring in for an hour and a half up and down stairs. Like maybe that's going to be enough of a workout. Sure enough, I woke up this morning and I feel like I, I, you know, deadlifted all day yesterday. I mean, I, I feel the exact same kind of muscle soreness. And, and that kind of stimulation as indirect and weird as that sounds compared to training, like our bodies are under that kind of a load from the work we did yesterday in the gym and the day before in the gym and the day before, even if it's not directly the same movements. And I think it takes a lot of precision for people to understand how they can get the best recovery because you and I want the most effort. We want the most load. We want the most frequency. So to tease those apart and weave them back together in a way that we can get all of those things and still recover, that just takes a lot of, of thinking, proper programming, and then still as a client, just, just understanding when you need those days off, like your, your client mentioned. Absolutely. I remember back in my prep, you know, I was inline skating for my cardio and doing the inline skating post deadlifting was horrible because when you inline skate, you don't put your back in the best position. And I just remember saying, I'm going to have to do a different form of cardio on if I'm doing cardio on the days I deadlift. Uh, luckily, my cardio never got high enough where I had to make the decision to you know, do a different type of cardio. So whenever I deadlifted, I did an inline skate because it just made my lower back feel horrible. So sometimes you need those slight modifications, you know, based on, you know, what you're doing for your cardio. Um, some of my clients swim or tread water because it's just easier on their joints um, if they have access to pools. 
Um, but a lot of my people that do that say, I prefer not to do this on a shoulder day. Uh, it seems like that really taxes them. So um, as long as they have that day or two off, they can move their cardio, you know, um, or they can move their swimming to a different day of the week where it's not on a shoulder day. Exactly. Well, I'm going to give a three-step checklist for our clients and our, our listeners. I, th I think this could be useful, and then I'll, I'll see what you might want to add to it. Because I know sometimes when I go into the gym and I'm just questionable, like, I don't know, like, do I, do, can I, can I go through a normally planned hard workout or do I need to do something different? So there's that, that feeling that the first step in this checklist is to assess, okay, it's, it's time to work out or I wake up and I know today, later today is this workout. How do I feel and, and take a real mental check in terms of just kind of a body scan, you know, what's sore, what's not, do I, do I feel good going up and downstairs? And then once you get in the gym and you're warmed up and you get those first couple sets, do that same thing, reevaluate. Do I, do I have a little snag in a knee or is my back tight or something? Is there anything I feel that could risk injury? So there's that, that just physical and mental assessment before you even start then when you've decided to go into the gym, you know, get warmed up, do those kinds of things. But the third step is if you still have any question that I don't know, maybe this is a day I should pull back a little bit. This is where you have to just do some analysis of what you've done. For example, I'll use squats. You know, let's say my, I just feel a little weak. I don't, I just a little tight. I don't know if I'm recovered well enough from whatever I did the day before the two days before so I will, I will physically just think back, okay, here's what I did. It's been this many days. I should be pretty well recovered. Like maybe I'm just a little bit, you know, tighter than usual. That's okay. I'll, I'll get through it. And if I make that decision to still go on because I know analytically I should be okay, nine times out of 10, I have a great workout. Sometimes that's when I have my best workouts because I'm literally just on the cusp of that, that super compensation of, tr of training recovery. But if I get to the point where it's like, no, I just don't feel it. Like, man, my knee's killing me or this. And I realized two days ago, I really did have a, like I set a PR. And so I probably just need an extra day. You don't have to leave the gym. You can just decide, okay, this will be kind of a deloading workout. Maybe I plan to do this. I'm gonna do all the same sets and exercises just with 20% less load. I don't think you have to call your coach to get approval for something like that. That's where just being incredibly intuitive comes into play. But I, I've always, when I've made those decisions at those times to either keep going or pull back, it, it seems to work well. Because every time I made the decision to go forward, I, I've never had any kind of an injury because there are also times that I just, just throw the workout away. I'm like, I just can't do this today. I'll just keep doing cardio instead of moving into my workout. You know, rarely will I just leave, you know, I'm still going to do something. And I think that's, that's where a lot of, a lot of competitors can, can have some fun in the gym and get something accomplished and still respect any level of recovery they need. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with just extreme muscle soreness, you know, sometimes that cardio can be a, a good way to get some good blood flow without, you know, taxing the muscle tissue too much and get some better recovery. 
Yeah. I, I, I literally, I had a, a sore elbow because I had done, I, I haven't deadlifted this heavy in a while. I'm, I'm really on that upswing that I'm talking about. And just from gripping, I just had kind of both sides of the joint, just what, what could have turned into a tendonitis. And I felt like, okay, I've been here before. Um, I can just keep training as hard as I can and end up with an elbow tendonitis that lasts for a year or I may just need to modify. Maybe on my next back workout, I use straps. Maybe I do this. And within about three or four days, I started feeling it, you know, easing up. And I still went ahead and did an arm workout. But all I did was just not go to my heaviest type sets. I just at 75, 80%. I went for, like you said, the blood flow, the movement, the contract, relax, nervous system input. And the next day or two, it actually felt better than if I had not worked out. So sometimes the answer is still train, just know where those thresholds are, where you could be pushing too far. Absolutely. I had a girl who worked with me, her coach uh, never gave her any off days. And whenever she was sore, he would just add Kratom to her, uh, her protocol and she pushed, I mean, she was a hell of an athlete. I mean, she pushed through it. But when I got her, getting her down to four days a week training was fighting tooth and nail. It was it was a hard transition. Yeah, I, I just told this story. I don't know if it was in another podcast or with my private coaching group. But, um, you know, I had a friend who was really gung-ho, had a goal, and he's just going to train every day for a month. Like that was almost like a New Year's resolution type thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit 30 out of 30 days. And he went to these functional fitness classes. He ended up tearing his Achilles tendon. So, you know, as, as his Achilles started getting more and more sore, he's like, I'll just push through it. I'll be fine. I'll just stretch out. I'll warm up well. Ends up tearing it. And then a couple months later, uh, as that's healing, he's in a boot and so forth. He develops blood clots and almost died. So extreme story, but you know, when your body's telling you, you need a little extra recovery. I mean, you're, you're looking at tissue level tearing and permanent damage versus, you know, just maybe one day off could have been the difference for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those are sad stories to hear when, you know, someone does something like that. Well, other, other modalities in terms of just train or not train are simply things like massage therapy, where you can, I'm, I'm not going to mention sleep one more time. I promise just, that just has to be there. You're just not going to progress without it. Um, you know, there are things like contrast baths, there are self massage things, you know, the, the massage tools that we can use there guns and, you know, rolling sticks, foam rollers, things like that. There, there are so many things that you can do. Uh, a lot of people don't use cryotherapy nearly enough, just an ice pack on a joint or a literal cryo cup for an ice massage on a tendon. Sometimes you can keep making progress and pushing a little harder if you're just willing to do those kinds of self-care modalities as if you were an athlete in Olympic training camp with a staff of trainers. You know, that's what these people will be doing for you to keep you moving forward. So we just have to be willing to do those for ourselves. Yeah, those ice baths are getting really common. Have you seen that? Well, Wim Hof, you know, that crazy guy made that a thing. Um, but even back in physical therapy school, just, you know, with athletes, you know, even if it's just uh, for a joint, you know, an ice bucket to put your ankle in or stick your elbow in, like that's, that can be very helpful. 
Absolutely. Yeah. There's tons of stuff out there now, you know, for recovery. I think the Theraguns are great. And now they even have attachments so you can get it on your back yourself. And, uh, and you said, as you said, with your client, just, just more, more creative, more drugs, anything to just numb the pain and keep going. Right. Right. Not really. We, we're kidding. Don't take that out. Yeah, of let's not do that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks again, Adam. I know we're working through kind of your list of things, big points that you wanted to cover with our audience. So that's uh, awesome. And again, as I always invite our listeners and viewers, if you have any questions that you want to cover with us, hit us in some DMs or let us know what you want us to, to cover at length. And we will see you next time in Contest Prep University.